A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast brought to you by Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees. Would you believe it? At Levi Solicitors. .co.uk forward slash the square ball. They must be mad to be offering that. <laughs> they call them crazy Levi solicitors, don't they? They're sometimes, maybe. Especially the, no, the they're, judge. They're very professional, is what they actually are. And if you want them for your legal services, do look them up. Moscow's here. Where, where, where do I find them? LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. That's the key bit for the, uh, for the discount there. You're on there now, are you, Moscow? Yeah. Yep. yep, super. The offers are just blowing my mind. Rob is here too. I don't even need any legal help. Rob is behaving himself. I mean, yeah, I've got to, one of those has to, hasn't he? Bit of maturity. If you like all this stuff, and Dan's back next week, so don't worry too much, it's not always me, TSB Plus is available. You get a daily email from Moscow, that's nice. Sometimes Rob. He occasionally lets me do that, sometimes. Yeah. It's like, a, you're like work experience. Does he stand, yeah, does exactly. he stand over you going... Mm, yeah, and then I want to put that. Just rewrites it then afterwards. You get access to the match ball when we do that live. You get propaganda extra. We're talking about penises this week. I don't know if that's your thing, but there's plenty. Of, <laughs> there's plenty of that on there. Plus, loads more and all the magazines that we've done forever, which is like mm. back to the Bates era. If you want to hear about some very, very unhappy times and some good times. Into the news, then we're not signing anyone. Brilliant. We had some links last week. Could have discussed them. Then Phil came on and said, "Nah, none of them are happening." It's a bit of a disadvantage of him doing that Monday show now because either it's you this week or Dan just goes and asks him some stuff and he says no and then we come in on Tuesday and we're like, well, well, Phil says no apparently. Should we sign one matter anyway? Even if Phil says we're not. Yeah, why not? Let's uh, stick him left back. It'll would, be fine. Would that be one way of causing more anarchy? Anarchy. Anarchy. One matter's gone to lanes. Mm, yeah, that's true. I mean, I saw a list. I can't remember who had done it. It might have been Gary Neville. They'd done a list of the successful signings and failures at amber there was a red a green and amber there were like two greens and then there was he was uh he was in the red was was old uh matter so failure there i thought he was, was, right. was the best player for years wasn't he <laughs> i don't know i wasn't watching and he's um he's generally and he's always a bit uncomfortable being there because he seems like a good guy so we could could be like a dan james rescue mission he could come and blog for us which i think is basically all he did at scum for the last few years wasn't that's it? true yeah i'll get him in as a writer i mean maybe swap deal 
It was pointed out as well. You want to go there? Just sit in the reserves, take a load of money. Dan James was basically the only person on that list they made a profit on as well, which is more um, fool us, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know what that says about us. I mean, we did nearly get him for like five million quid. So we, they probably wouldn't have bought him if we hadn't tried to. We really needed that striker when we signed him, <laughs> so we had to pay a premium. And instead, we got... Jean Kevin. Kevin. Oh, was that the season after? That was the season after that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but if we'd had Dan James, we'd never have even thought about Jean Kevin Augusta. Mm. We're not signing a left-back either, are we? Despite being linked with one. Who's this guy? Which guy? Kai Wagner. That's the one. Oh, well, yeah. So this, there is some evidence of, of life in that uh, Jesse Marsh has directly contacted Philadelphia Union manager Jim uh, Curtin. Pull yourself um, together, Jim. I was, yeah, I was hoping something would happen. Uh, who, he is the coach of Brendan Aronson's younger brother, Paxton, who we were talking about last week. He scored for them in the 4-1 defeat to Cincinnati. But yes, Curtin says he's talked with Jesse Marsh about Kai Wagner's status. The team would like Wagner to stay, uh, but Kai would like to play at the highest level. So Philadelphia Union are still waiting for any official office to come in. This is from a, a fan site reporting this. Um, they say, it is a still-to-be-determined kind of situation. And that's a <laughs> quote from the press conference that Curtin was given. It's a still-to-be-determined kind of situation. But a couple of weeks to get a left-back in from Philadelphia. Don't know if he's any good. Let's hope he's great. I think let's just sign one so Marsh doesn't have to stick Jack Harrison there and then blame him after the end of games. Let's get another scapegoat. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I'm proposing. It's an unusual career path, though. Going to MLS at a young age and then back, it's a bit Jackie Harrison. Mm. Maybe. He's turned out all right, hasn't he? So Not a left back. Not a left back, no. He's but... six foot tall as well, so he's another big lad like uh, the big pirate that we've got there currently. I like having a big back four because there's uh, obviously Christensen at the other side. He's a bit of a unit. And there is times when you just look across our back four and think, oh, they're massive now. Whereas previously under Bielsa, mm. everyone just looked thin and weak. Yeah. And even at centre back, you had like five foot eight Berardi. Yeah. There, doing trying trying his absolute best. Him climbing in the back of Peter Crouch was one of the finest early memories of Bielsa's system, wasn't it, against Stoke? I remember when we played Middlesbrough and at a corner, Berardi just disappeared behind Daniel Ayala. And it was the other one, was it Frey? That's some other massive that two massive centre arse who'd come up and he just they convened they converged on each other and Berardi just disappeared. Another player we're not signing. According to Phil, anyway, Sports Witness said we were, but FC Zurich's Wilfried Gnonto. I don't know how you say it. Let's go with that. Surely the G would be signed silent. Gnonto. Did Phil not say it properly? Phil never says it. If it's, if Phil can't pronounce anything. Well, then how can, can we how can we take his dismissal of a transfer link seriously if he can't even give us the correct pronunciation of the player's name? For no he reason, could have been talking about anybody. For no reason at all, I wanted us to sign him as well because he's young and seemed quite cheap. The the rumours seemed to be like four or five million. I was like, eh, yeah, we'll have him. Have him for that. It's just a frivolous purchase. It's like a frivolous home bargains purchase. You're just wandering around you go, yeah, yeah, go on, we'll have him. We we'll want him. more expensive youth strikers, not Matteo Joseph, getting a more expensive version of him. Exactly, getting bombed out on loan to Morecambe or somewhere. That's what I say, that'll do him good. Should we get him then, Gnoto? Gnonto? Nonto? The serious part of me does think, well, we've signed Matteo Joseph and Sonny Perkins. Um... Scoobs is going to be sport for choice. But is, isn't up. he more of a, wouldn't he be more of a first team choice? He's I mean, 18. But he's played for Italy. He's played first team football in Switzerland like Gianni Alioski. Yeah. I mean, there is some sense. I was surprised to learn that 
Aston Villa's new centre-back who spent 30 million on his 29. I know we did that with Rodrigo, but that was kind of an exception. We can have been doing the... I think I'm so used to Leeds pushing the 25 and under, 15 million and under tactic, of like trying to get them young and improve them, that when I see Aston Villa spending all their money on a centre-half who is 29 already, when they've already got Mings, he's going to be that much better than Tyrell Mings. And Probably, then, yeah. And he's also broken now. Wonderful. So it just gets better and better. Um, he's gone for the Paddy Kiznarbo, hasn't he? The full, full Achilles mm, break, I think. Mm. That's like Paddy Kiznarbo when he was managing Melbourne and he celebrated, well, Melbourne City, and he celebrated lifting their title uh, on crutches because he's done his Achilles again in a charity <laughs> game. It will break again. So basically, Villa, you've wasted that money. But with uh, Wilfred Nonto, it seems maybe too far the other way because 18 seems a little bit young to be coming in and being like the backup because if we're basically we're still looking for a player a striker who will challenge Bamford and Gelhart can fill in if and when neither of them are available but isn't so much better than them that neither of them get the game time Bamford's case to be the top scorer for England at the World Cup and in Gelhart's place to become the new Messi so it's a very specific brief. And so I can kind of sympathise why it's difficult to find. And I wonder that an 18-year-old playing in the Swiss League, even if he is an Italian international, is the right player to be kind of dropping into a match here and a match there, which hopefully it will be. As we said, the ideal would be for whatever striker we sign to never play. Bamford seems to be making that very difficult, as does Joffe uh, disappearing again at the weekend. But... um they're both not that bad, though, apparently. I so do we're told. Joffy Gelhart, in Marsh's words, a, a little bit injured. I do wonder if that's like being a little bit pregnant. Um, he's he, got a dead leg. He's not pregnant, though. Who knows? Anyway, is, is Pat Bamford pregnant? Probably not. No, he's just become a dad, hasn't he? He has, and I believe that was his girlfriend who gave birth to no, that no, one. No, it wasn't him. No, not him, right. not him on that one. But he was, he was vigorously rubbing his groin, so who knows what he's planning. <laughs> To get fit, hopefully, it's difficult. Marsh expected both him and Gelhart to be back in training before Chelsea, didn't he? So they should be running about. Whereas Liam Cooper, having picked something up after falling off a treadmill in summer, who knows? At least Forshaw played, Sinistera played, Stuart Dallas. What is he doing? I'm constantly amazed at how quickly players come back from injuries, but then they also seem to get injured very quickly. But for Dallas, I just, I'd assume I was never going to walk again if I'd broken a femur. I'd be thinking, well, that's at least six months, like an old-fashioned carry-on film, laid in bed with your leg in traction, is, the, is what I would imagine. But there he is, running around like an absolute idiot. He was, he was always playing already injured, though, wasn't he? Mm. So it'll probably make his comeback with his leg still in a cast or something. <laughs> Do you remember when Rudy Austin broke his leg? Mm. And he came back in a fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> that was while he was already playing for Jamaica all around the world, wasn't it? I think the key thing there was he never actually broke his leg. It, was, um, it wasn't as bad as it looked. But yeah, it was always... Uh, um, that's the most remarkable cover- recovery I can remember at Leeds. The, the Bamford one is weird, it seems, like the way they're talking about him. Because, I mean, one of the first things Marsh ever said as Leeds manager was that he wasn't going to play players unless they were 100% fit. But then the way he's been talking about it all summer has been, well, you know, he just needs a few games. But then the way he was talking about it after Southampton, it was in a sense of, well, you know, Pat needed to tell us before the game. He, he promised to be honest and tell us if he was struggling or not. So... There obviously are still problems that he's dealing with and it's not, it isn't just a case of getting him match fit, it is still a case of getting him physically fit, which 
before the season, I was kind of cool about not necessarily signing a striker because I really want to see more of Joffe. But then you saw at the weekend how it really doesn't take much mm. to actually have no options. It's a dead leg and a groin injury, which isn't that bad. It's not bad enough to stop him training, but it's still enough to stop him playing. I mean, Jesse, after the game, he, he kind of implied that it, he could have played on if he'd have really wanted to. If it was a cup final or something, yeah. he said. Didn't which was, I thought was a... Sounded, it was a cup final. It sounded a little Southampton bit... away. It's like an important of, match. A bit of shade thrown at Bamford was that. It's like, if he'd have wanted to, he could have stayed on. But, you know... But then, no, I think... Off he comes. I think he means they've told him it's not a cup final, so don't yeah. mess about. And, and the thing with his injury at Wolves last season was, it was in the interview with The Athletic last week, that he was feeling before the game, like, oh shit, I don't think I can play it. I don't think it's right. But he forced himself to play anyway. And the point he was making was like, well, we never 100% fit. So he forced himself to play mm. and lasted 20 minutes and ended in tears or whatever it was. Well, that's the thing. His, his mate in that is uh, who he does the shoes with now. He used to play for, um, his dad owned Forest and he played football as well, didn't he? He was talking about, and you do hear footballers say, they're never 100% fit. There's always something wrong with them. That's why they always have to, recovery is the big thing. It's like, can we just get you fit enough to play the next match? And Bamford, after a year of basically not playing and spending most of that time injured it just leaves you susceptible to setbacks and twinges and because you're using uh, muscles in ways that you've not used them for a long time so they are not used to it and so there is more likely that they're going to twinge and hurt and cause pain so they're trying to stop it before it happens in this case which is good but also it leaves us with Dan James back up front which is not necessarily good but then you know nobody wants to hear it but if Rodrigo every time he goes to number nine scores goals then Maybe that's the answer. And have we made a huge mistake in letting Tyler Roberts' goal machine go out on loan? Did the, that was after the last week's podcast, wasn't it? I couldn't remember if we think it was discussed a, it last yeah, I think week. It, I think it might have been on the same night as we recorded because it was uh, it was one of the Carabao Cup games, yeah, wasn't it? That QPR ended up losing, but Roberts did score in the, the penalty in that. Great goal. Great hit. Mm-hmm. Not such great defending from Charlton. I mean, I feel really sorry for him that the week's ended with QPR's goalkeeper scoring. It's not like you can't even have one week of being the goal scorer at the club and now he's got as many goals as the goalkeeper. And one night as well because they ended up uh, Charlton equalised and then knocked QPR out on penalties so that's the end of their Carabao Cup dreams which I don't know maybe I, do I envy them the end of their Carabao Cup dreams? I don't think it's particularly a dream that enthralls me although if it could be just a competition let's replace the Carabao Cup because everyone's always going about like oh it's a bit of an imposition on the the schedule and Jurgen Klopp doesn't like it. So maybe he and me would be happier with just a Tyler Roberts volleys competition. Okay. Or just some kind of uh, Tyler Roberts does tricks. So replace the entire Carabao Cup programme. It can just be 90 minutes on, because they do it Tuesday and Wednesday, so they can put them both nights during the week. 90 minutes, Tyler Roberts just does trick shots. Put okay. that on TV. So that good. will be a viewership of one, which will be which will be you. <laughs> No, it could be me and Jurgen Klopp because Jurgen Klopp can still be there and he's like, I'm so glad my players are not putting themselves through the torture of another football match. Have you not been captivated by the Carabao Cup then? Have you not got Carabao fever for our Barnsley tie? The Derek Lilly derby? Well, it, uh, it does reunite us with Michael Duff. It does, of Championship Manager fame mm-hmm. many years ago. We may do an episode. We don't want to promise anybody because we've been avoiding the subject for about two years. <laughs> But we have there, there have been discussions with Michael Duff's people, <laughs> well, at least the uh, the eight um, bit Mike Duff. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I think since we last played that game, our star striker has died in real life. 
which is a bit of a downer on the game. Maxim Sigalko, the Belarusian wonder kid that we have in our team. Yeah, God bless him. So, yeah, we might bring it back. We might we might bring the game back. Yeah, It'll be with a, a strange... It was a pre-pandemic game, wasn't it? That's yeah. how long ago it was. So, But yeah, Michael Duff was a, a star of when we were playing um, Championship Manager on here. And now he's turning up Manager of Barnsley. Seems all right, actually, as well. When I've seen him in press conferences, I always think comes across quite well. But let's beat him. Yeah, we anyway. fell into that trap with Paul Heckingbottom, though, didn't we? Did we like him before? No, we hated him. No, okay, good. Because <laughs> he also, you know, I hate Leeds. My mum said, that's a mank accent again. He was more of a, he was slower, wasn't he? My mum, he always used to say, we, we play on black fields. We go out and uh, some of us would be uh, Leeds. Some of us would be Barnsley. And uh, sometimes I had to be Leeds and I hated it. But sometimes I were Barnsley. Hated that too. It were Yorkshire, South Yorkshire. We didn't like much. I mean, we're not doing a full Barnsley preview because beneath us, when, when even is it? It's like next week. Is it, it next week? Oh, is it? <laughs> I'm meant to be going. I, I, bought, I bought a ticket for it yesterday. Yeah, I, I didn't honestly check when it was. I think it's, mm. yeah, I think it's next Wednesday. It's Wednesday, but I didn't know it was next Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. which is a bit out there because normally we do these things on a Tuesday night. So Wednesday night's a bit different. Mm. So a bit of a novelty. Exciting, isn't it? Yeah, and so while since we, so we can get some excitement, while since we played Barnsley, will we see Archie Gray? That'd be nice playing for Bath. I thought we'd sold him to Barnsley. <laughs> not yet. Not I yet. mean, his dad Andy, played Andy for played them. Yeah, he did. He did. But um, will we see a lot of changes in this? I do you think we're early enough in the season that Jesse will be still wanting to get his first eleven out and get him ticking over properly? Is Jesse still talking about us winning cups under him and stuff like that? No, he's given up. Is it? Yeah, he's like, guys. What? What was the time span on this after, winning loads of trophies after those uh, substitutions at Southampton? I realised <laughs> I, I, I can't do it. I mean, the under twenty ones team yesterday was basically a, half a first team, so it might be a bit of a mix between that and the actual starting eleven. I guess you watched that. How was Scooby? Scoobs, Scoobs. That's it, not Scooby. Scoobs. And it was, and it was some Scooby Doo nickname that he's got. It was good. It was. It was. Strange, actually, because yeah, it was, it was half a first team. So the midfield was uh, Forshaw and Greenwood. Mateus Click was the number 10. Somerville was playing. It was Cody Drama at fullback. So it was quite a strong team. Mm. And you saw the difference in quality between the Leeds and the Norwich team. But they were Leeds were just kind of happy to play at like a testimonial pace. It was Mateus Click and Adam Forshaw were just sort of playing two-touch between them for a lot of it, which was actually quite fun to watch. Just kind of them take the piss a little bit. And they scored really early. They created lots of chances. But then, because they were pay- playing at quite a slow pace on the ball, I thought whenever Norwich actually ran a bit, they actually mm-hmm. caused a few problems. And they got an equaliser really quickly after the first. They equalised again in the second half. It was Perkins scored the second. And Matteo Joseph scored again for the first one. Goal machine. Yeah. He got four at Derby, was it, the first mm-hmm. game? So five already. So yeah, it was quite fun watching Click and Forshaw and Greenwood in particular. I really like as well now. But they did have to, they did take Forshaw off at half time, which I presume is because he Injured. played. I presume it's because he played at the weekend. But he was basically trying to injure a load of Leeds players. He tackled at least three of them. He was very, um, he was very. I'm the growing up here, so I get the ball. So whenever the ball was sort of in his vicinity, it didn't matter if it was a Leeds player in possession. He just took it off them. But sometimes he was quite physical about it. There was one like near karate kick on. I think it was Keenan Carroll. So it was. They're, they're strange games, the under-21s. What world have we entered where Adam Forshaw is karate-kicking Seb Carroll's son, you know, and they're on the same team? There was even, um, you could tell it was like a first-team affair because Bryn Law was doing the commentary on LUTV Ooh. and he was saying how um, he plays football against Seb Carroll. 
for it's Harrogate vets against Weatherby vets and he always plays against him but he says he never gets anywhere near him well yeah so Carroll was under I mean it's league one so it's always <laughs> difficult to rate these players but he was he was alright really wasn't he I thought he was alright it was quite tricky yeah not a huge amount of end products as I remember it league one but so, yeah all wingers are that basically aren't they yeah league, league one winger is basically someone who's a bit quick and then can sometimes deliver across vaguely yeah. accurately but you know that's, mainly not that sometimes Billy Painter, he came afterwards, wasn't he? Name a League One striker because Becky and Beckford would Leon finish anything. Constantine would sometimes be able to finish. I don't give a score for us. Never mind. Just keep trying. <laughs> Mark DeVries did, didn't he? So he did get the one. Yes. So we'll go with him. There are uh, while we are just naming random former Leeds <laughs> players. Uh, the Barnsley preview, as well as being reunited with Michael Duff, there is uh, Clark O'Dor. He is still uh, there. Shot that, as he's also known. And Liam Kitchen and where is, is uh, where a rock is, in their defence. Where is Apo Halmer? Uh, he's gone back home. Yeah, he's back he in Helsinki after the draw was made. I had to write about you Alioski. You have to. You wanted to. You forced me into writing about Alioski asking Apo Halmer if he was nervous before the game, mm. which is one of the underrated Alioski moments. But yeah, I found that he'd... They actually liked him after the first season. Mm. He scored a few goals and stuff, and then he was basically injured for two years on and off. And he's now back in Helsinki. Back to his home planet. That's a, it's a nice happy ending. It's for him. the uh, it's the Seb Saucer career trajectory. <laughs> I call it. They've given him the number six shirts, but he was on the bench for the last game in the Europa League. He played against Maribor, one um, 0 defeat, uh, which is uh, Darko Milanić's old stomping ground. Makes you think, doesn't it? I think there's still a second leg of that to go, uh, but don't count on it. Oh yes, it is two legs. So what they need to do for the second leg. Bit of advice: put Halmy in, and you won't concede any goals. Any other news, or is that it? It's a bit of a bit of a bare week this week. Nothing, uh, nothing to report on signings. Buy some players, leads. For God's sake, I'm sick of this. Yeah, you don't get this on, uh, you know, the the transfer speculations of. I mean, Scum right now must be loving the links to Jamie Vardy. <laughs> It's like last week when they started signing Anatovic and they kind of leaked it and then went, oh, well, we've seen the reaction. And it was only, it was only ever a joke. Just a, big, just a big old joke. Just a passing fancy. We're actually getting Jamie Vardy. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Chelsea come into town. This will be fun, won't it? I mean, they're just they're such a calm club. Everything's so normal with them. I'm sure it'll just be a, a normal afternoon at Ellen Road. That was fun, wasn't it, at the weekend, watching them go mental? Yeah, I, I enjoyed all that. I think, I know some people are a bit like, oh, it really brings shame on the game, but I love it when the team gets robbed and everyone loses the plot. <laughs> Unless it is us. 
Yes, even I don't think you should pull a player's hair, but it's funny when it happens. Mm. Yeah, so it's kind of it's um, part of the uh, the appeal is how illicit it is. <laughs> the whole handshake thing as well. It's just not a big issue, is it? For most people, it seems handshakes are basically an issue for football managers, and that seems to be it in life. And and, and the fact that he had actually sh- shaken his hand, but it wasn't a good enough one. He wanted mm. to look at him while he did it. You think it is pathetic. Did you see Antonio Conte's Instagram story? Yes, it was I mean, a real zinger, wasn't it? That's pathetic. <laughs> a photo of Thomas Tuchel running down the touchline. I actually wasn't sure if that was fake when I first saw it because I thought it was too petty and childish. And then in two languages, if I had seen him running like that, I would have tripped him. Some cry laughing emojis. These are how old are they? Oh, I mean, Conte's got to be. He's got to be 50s, like. He's going to be like pushing fifty. And I know, I know his hair is newer, but. <laughs> The brain is older. So Antonio Conte is 53 and Thomas Tuchel kind of... He's younger, 17. <laughs> but, but still. But I mean, if he's sat there next to his wife on the sofa, and she's like, what are you doing? Just putting on an Instagram <laughs> message, calling him out. She'd be like, for fuck's sake. And Thomas Tuchel is 48. Is he? I thought he was younger than that. Yeah. Nope. Tuchel is mates with our uh, new assistant manager, isn't he? Rene Maric. Mm. I think it was reading his brilliant, insightful, tactical blog that Tuchel decided to get in touch with him to do some work for him. And that kick-started his career, I think. There you go. I have to say, I preferred Chelsea when they couldn't spend any money and looked to be knackered. This Chelsea spending money again thing, it's a bit boring. I really thought they were dead and buried at the end of last season and gone forever because um, when Abramovich was trying to change all the payment terms of um, trying to sell what was, at that point, the nation's football club... Um, and the deadline for registering for the Premier League and stuff was all coming up. It was just getting to that point of like, you might not let them in. And that would have been great. And yet somehow, here they are. Um, they're just a hobby now for this Todd Bowley character. He's just been the, uh, he's installed himself as interim sporting director and he's just signing whoever he wants. It's unfair, isn't it? Given they were like, oh, I have to keep all those players that were bought with Abramovich's money. Mm. I think they should have had them all taken off them. They should be um, working in power stations to keep the energy prices down as far as I'm concerned. I think that seems fair. <laughs> what are we expecting from this one then? Because they are good. They should have beaten Spurs. They did beat us quite easily back in uh, back in May. Can you see anything from this one? We're a different team now, aren't we? Was Chelsea back in May, was that playing three at the back with Rafinha at wing back and him taking long throws and mm-hmm. it... it, it I think we forget how mental it was at the end of last season, maybe. We were out without Dan James after 25 minutes. This is when he got sent off. That was good. Which sent Rafinha to wing back. Lewis Bate started in midfield. Oh, he, he was getting absolutely bullied, bullied off the ball. So you'd think now is a much kinder time for us to play them. But yeah, it isn't. It's, again, they're a weird one, Chelsea, because they kind of fall into that group of Premier League clubs that seem to be miserable and hating everything. Mm-hmm. And the whole narrative around them even like a week or so ago, was, well, they're not signed any of the players they want. They need to spend a load more money on the squad to fix all this. And then it's like they made, they spent 60 million quid on that Brighton defender or whatever it was. And it's just all, we never get to do that, yeah. do we? When we're, when we're unhappy, we never go, oh, here's a 60 million pound footballer, which I imagine is quite nice sometimes. I did have a look at Chelsea fan TV after the Tottenham game. And uh, the first big advantage that they have in this game from their point of view is that Anthony Taylor will not be refing. He does seem to be 
Um, I know Thomas Tuchel is now, he's partly in trouble for saying uh, he shouldn't ref Chelsea anymore. And this fan seems to agree. Anthony Taylor, it's not gone with us today. Lewis, what are you thinking, mate? Same as always, death taxes and this bold Harry Hill-looking prick costing us three points in a big six match. Yet again, same old shit. Am I going to repeat myself? It's going to be the same thing as the United game back in 2020, Liverpool last season. There are not one but two FA Cup finals that this guy has cost us. Yet again, we're looking at a big six game saying Anthony Taylor, the referee, cost us in both. I did. Uh, I will, on purpose, I will admit that when I heard him describe Anthony Taylor as a, what was it? Uh, was it a bald Harry Hill looking prick? Yeah, and then I remembered you were presenting this one. I thought I've taken my. He doesn't even wear glasses. <laughs> I've taken him off now. Anyway, no, you look more like him, Anthony Taylor. Yes. Yeah, I suppose I do. I look less like Harry Hill though. Well, it's presumably. It's, Isn't this like in a in an American film where the the geek t- takes her glasses off and everyone goes, "Oh my god, she's gorgeous." <laughs> Hmm. It's not really working for me, to be honest. This is this is yeah, give the camera some help. <laughs> this is this is pretty sexy yeah. stuff now. <laughs> You're not plain Jane anymore. Oh, just let um, the hair flow down my back like one of the um, glazers. These two lads, uh, obviously Chelsea. So so far this season, they've beaten Everton and drawn with Tottenham. So big problems, mm. big serious situation at Stamford Bridge. So uh, Anthony Taylor is obviously one factor, but that can't be the only reason why the club is struggling so much. So they have some ideas for how they can improve from here. Some pretty uh, out there thinking here. I think they've really, I feel like Jake Humphrey would say this is beyond the box. I think one, one last point I would say, transfer window's not over. You know, there's still potential signs we can make. We've been linked with the Bamiyang, the Young, obviously for Fana, world record transfer fee for a defender. Um, obviously it was still a good performance but there's always things we can improve yeah yeah the front line like even in terms of how good we were we were only brilliant in the defensive and the midfield third in the attacking third like we still were barely creating chances so there you go they're they're brilliant in two thirds of the team Mm. but they only scored two so spend another 200 million pounds on defenders by the sounds of it plus Aubameyang can't they just put Lukaku in well spent 100 million pounds on him last year didn't they surely he's still there and doing well it's um yeah, it does seem to be a very quick route from Chelsea to just go just sign some more players then. Two more weeks of the, the window to go, sign someone. Mm. Who can we get? Anyone? Aubameyang? Whatever. One thing I do notice with Chelsea, they seem quite good down the wings. We seem quite terrible in full-back positions. You really don't like Rasmus Christensen, do you? Well, it's actually, I'm more worried about the other side because they've got James who just marauds forward every opportunity and I'm a bit concerned about him and the big pirate. I think um, I'm basically banking all my hopes on Kante got injured at the end of the Spurs game. I think he pulled his hamstring and Tuchel was talking about him as, in, I think it was in the summary, he said something like, he's a key, 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 key player. Or, I'm not sure how many keys were in it, but there was a lot. Uh, so if he's not there, maybe we just need to go full penis and just go everything down the middle, mm-hmm. bully him there. Is there still time for them to sign Kiki D <laughs> to replace him? You won't know who Kiki D is, will you? You got, no, you're an old man, Moscow. You got to remember this. <laughs> You know, you know the duet, surely, at least, Elton John. Don't Sing go, me it. Don't go breaking my heart. Oh, right, okay. That's, yeah, that's yeah. me singing it <laughs> in a very tuneful way. Moscow, are we going to win? Nah, probably not. No. No, I don't, think, I don't think we'll even draw. I don't know, because we should have beaten Southampton, shouldn't we? I'm going to take a 2-2 draw and be grateful about it, unlike last week. It could be that we get... I would also be grateful. We get a, a result like that here instead of, you know, we went into... I don't know. How does it even work? <laughs> Why didn't we just beat Southampton? And then it would kind of not matter. 
Mm. You just be like, oh yeah, because we'll pro. It is the shame of the Premier League is you probably do get beaten by Chelsea just because you know those lads are complaining about oh we need to sign some more players in the next couple of weeks because our attack is rubbish. You know they've only already spent fifty million on Raheem Sterling two games in. We need to sign some more. This isn't working. Um, that kind of stuff just really puts you in a uh, a bind because I don't know what more they want. Raheem Sterling on top of all the players that they've already got there. You know, who is the front lines? There's Kyle Havertz um, and then some others. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That should be enough against two-thirds of the of the Premier League. What they're worrying about is how do we beat Liverpool and Manchester City and Tottenham um, and the refereeing stuff. We are kind of irrelevant to the whole should we sign De Jong and a world record fee for a defender and Obama Yang and whoever else. Who's the world record fee for a defender? Is that for Farner? Yeah, I think so. Are they going to pay a world record fee for him? I think Leicester have said we want more than we got for Harry Maguire because obviously. Yeah. Um, and so they've gone, yeah, give, I mean, us, he, give he, us a load of money for the, that guy who's just broke his leg a year ago. He is worth more than Harry Maguire. Mm. But if you base it on what Harry Maguire is worth now, that's about £4 million maybe. <laughs> I think you'd, you'd do well to get that for him. This is why, because uh, the new owner is being their own sporting director at the same time so he's signing all the players it's kind of like if I was a Chelsea fan I would want him not to sign anybody I'd want to just get to the end of this and then get a sporting director who knows what he's doing who isn't just going oh well City didn't sign him from Brighton so we'll buy him and then Barcelona can't get Rafinha done so we'll just give them 55 million from our point of view it's a real shame I'm not surprised Radrizzani was so keen on the deal with Chelsea because he's just going around Club by club, just saying, here's some cash. Frankie de Jong doesn't want to go to Scorm and they can't get out of Barcelona. We'll have him. And so it's all just, um, it's there to be, uh, his money is there to be taken. Um, I, I'm not comfortable with how much they like him. Like they, they had the TIFO thing, didn't they? The game with his face on. I think, don't do that for an owner. Well, I mean, look what they did for Abramovich. Well, yeah, that's true. They're all convinced that there's been some, you know, terrible injustice done to him by uh, not allowing him to spend billions of pounds on uh, their football club anymore it's um, yeah it's weird that it's because I mean this is all the subject but the whole um, reduction of football down to which players are signed and for how much money like for a big subset of fans is almost more important than than the match and enjoying what those players actually do doesn't matter what how they play or what they do it's all are we going to sign Aubameyang next week not how did so-and-so play today? All this uh, talk of transfers has made me think I'm very happy that Rafinha will be playing from this weekend. That It would have mm. uh, it would have mm. been very, very uncomfortable, so it's nice. He might have been a cock in it as well. Mm. Just because of the way he commits himself fully to things, I can imagine he might have scored in front of the cop and done some quite big celebrations, which then would have made me hate him a bit. I mean, um, I'd, I'd have already... It, I, as it is... The Rafinha mug remains in my cupboard because he went to Barcelona. I can kind of live with it. If he got to Chelsea, that mug would have it would have had to be evicted. Do you remember him squaring up to Ben White? Yes, that was awkward. <laughs> I know Ben. Well, I mean, he was never ours, wasn't Ben White? Although he did, he did feel like yeah, it did time. really help us be promoted. Yeah, imagine. I wonder what we'd be like if we had bought him for forty million. Mm. Where would things be now? And then Rafinha as well. Rafinha and Ben White. <sighs> never mind. Oh, what, what, speaking of people what who will, we have now is nice people who will do something annoying Mason Mount I feel like he's almost guaranteed to do mm. some 
something and then cup his ears off. He was very in- inconvenient when he scored that really good goal at Ellen Road last yeah. year, wasn't it? Oh, bugger off. And now yeah. he's done this thing of cutting his hair so we can see that that's a, a, a new thing as well. We've not dealt with Chelsea's characteristics yet because obviously we got the research from whoscored.com mm. a long time. I was time. choosing to disregard it because Associates. Of... Well, no, we're two, we're two games in now. and Go on so, um, Buy, we... Buying expensive footballers, is that on the list? Weaknesses, Anthony Taylor. Mm. It doesn't say that, but it should. They're, they're weak at defending set pieces. Now, Mark Jackson is our new set piece coach. Or at least he's done that in his duties. And we did score from a corner against Southampton and we are looking very dangerous from them. So that's good. So we can get them at a set piece. We'll get that Urente one right this week and it'll rattle <laughs> in the top corner. And they are weak at stopping opponents from creating chances. So we'll get some chances that Rodrigo is in hot scoring form. So he'll finish them. And they are weak at protecting the lead. So if we do go behind like we did against Wolves, we can come back. We just don't need to make the mistake we made against Southampton of going 2-0 up and then back in. Their strengths, I mean, this actually, it sounds like uh, this is a Warnock team. Strengths, very strong at aerial duels and stealing the ball and strong at attacking set pieces. There's Warnock in a baseball cap, this guy. Isn't he? <laughs> and they control the game in the opposition's half. Well, you're going to do that if you're banging it, uh, Paddy Kenny's booting it down the field. Attacking down the right, probably a right winger that Warnock likes and I can't think of a name so the joke doesn't work. Short passes, I think that's a lie. Possession, lie. Width, lie. But they do rotate their first 11 because they've got about 50 players and they're aggressive, but I think that's just the manager. Width to Warnock meant Michael Tong, didn't it? Yeah, Or maybe like putting Paul Green out on the right or something. When I watched the um, Becchio scoring against Wolves in the first game of the season under Warnock that year, he, he slides off towards the south stand and it's brilliant and then the players sliding in to join him are Paul Green Luke Varney and Michael Tong <laughs> and he's obviously in this moment of great celebration it's like oh god we were absolutely screwed weren't we I've got to be nice about Paul Green because I, I do I do see him around Ponty sometimes so I don't want him I don't want him chilling me or anything he looks in far better condition than me even after this heat wave oh with the I suppose the other you thinking of his complexion yeah I would hope he's Stayed indoors for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. It's not, not been weather for Paul Green. He's got a team though, hasn't he still? He's still playing somewhere. I don't remember where. Because Dan isn't here, I'm going to make Dan's prediction for him. Obviously, I think we'll lose. <laughs> Dan will say, you know, just we've got these in us sometimes. You never know, do you? He always says that, does Dan? So then like twice a year, he can go, there you go. I said, I said we might win this one. So that's Dan's prediction in. And that is the Chelsea preview. Done. Good sorry, job. Sorry there wasn't a Anyone predicting a win, even Moscow. If we, if anybody else were in charge, you'd have predicted a win, but never mind. I want to. I, Go on. I feel like we could win it. I just Are we going to? I feel like we won't. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the idea that we could is definitely a good thing. I don't, certainly, how can I put it? I don't go into this game anticipating some horrible spanking, like 7-0 defeat or anything like that. I think it will probably be a good match. It's just... Uh, not one that I expect to win. But we might. We might. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. This is where we decide who has been the worst person. Well, Top this, of the list. It's not our decision. We should stress. This is your decision, Moscow, because yes. I can see Jesse Marsh at the top of that the list and you hate him. TSB Plus members get to send in their nominations, which we then discuss and talk them out of it. So despite the fact that there is a overwhelming vote <laughs> for Jesse Marsh to be the villain of the week, uh, I want no part of it. You wouldn't go along with Methley Chris then who said he was the sole reason for the defeat, which it wasn't a defeat, it was a draw. I know, I noticed that. <laughs> oh, it's quite funny. And I noticed as well on one of the clips before from the Southampton propaganda, I described the guys listening to their winner. I typed that down as well, <laughs> which says a lot about the defeat. And you know whose fault that is? Jesse Marsh. Not Jesse Marsh. Not Jesse Marsh. Okay. Paul Gascoigne says it's Jesse Marsh's fault. He oh. says, uh, well, he says you called Jesse a minge last week. You said you... I called Jesse a minge. <laughs> Did we? Paul Gascoigne. I mean, it's confusing because I don't think it's the Paul Gascoigne. No. It's not Gaza. There was certainly some discussion about somebody calling Jesse a minge. I don't know if we, if you accused it of uh, well, uh, Paul well, Gascoigne of it. Gaza says he didn't call Jesse a minge last week, but he is this week. <laughs> Should have made changes so much earlier. Uh, everyone around is saying the same from drinks break in the second half, for fuck's sake. Two points dropped, you fucking minge, is how he ends it. Yeah, and then uh, Nicola that uh, Jesse Marsh was so confident in his ability to master the hot conditions from his MLS days that he decided he didn't need to make any substitutions until the players died of heat stroke. Probably, yeah. I quite. Like, I think Melbourne White probably gets to the, the nub of it as well. He said, Marsh, you've got five subs. Frickin' use them. Do you think he was thrown by the fact that Bamford had had to go off? And he was like, well, I have made a sub. I just can't, I don't want to do any more now. I feel like I've done that. Four's a lot though, isn't it? To have remaining. Mm. It's more than you previously had. So it was weird. It's, it's just given that he'd talking, uh, spoken about it through the week, it's, it was then bizarre what happened. In fairness to him, he has come out and kind of owned it, hasn't he? He said, yeah, I should have made some changes. Well, he said he wasn't sure and he'd go back and have a look to see whether he had made a mistake, but he was kind of feeling like maybe he should have done it a bit earlier. I don't know. It's weird because the substitutions against um, Wolves, Wolves were so good and so kind of game-changing, but then if you throw your mind back to last season, didn't we bring Luke Ayling off by mistake yes. in one game? Was that against Manchester City? I'm now trying to look back to see uh, which I think that might have been Southampton last season, maybe. It was definitely at Elland Road. So it was, meant to bring Lee, was he meant to bring Liam Cooper off? And then yes, that's it. The number went up for Luke Ayling. He went, no, 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 don't do that. And then turned around to sort out the subs. And then when he, by the time he turned back around, they were taking Luke Ayling off. Again, yeah, we brought on Pascal Stroit for Luke Ayling, so and he came out afterwards. And again, he's you know he's refreshingly. Uh, it gives you a lot of detail that things would remain mysterious under other coaches, but he, he will kind of say, "Oh, like oh yeah, I I didn't realize we were taking Luke Ayling off until he was sitting next to me on the bench." So you do, yeah. There's kind of a question mark over why that kind of mistake should be made and why just the obvious thing in this game. Don't happen, and some you know you can't always go with the obvious thing because what seems obvious to us as fans often there are reasons we don't know about why oh that couldn't happen or this couldn't happen. But this this match just seems so clear and cut and dried that it's just weird. I seem to remember last year as well we were getting a bit annoyed with them at times for making subs when we felt like he didn't need to. Like the, in the Norwich game, I remember him making defensive subs, mm. and we were all like, ah, don't do that, you're ruining it. Mm. 
I mean, we did win that game in the end. I was, but... I was, I was going to mention that Norwich game because it, it was Robin Cock he brought on mm. to sort of shore things up and all that ended up happening was that the ball kept coming towards the Leeds goal and it was Joffy Gellhart's late winner was needed because they'd equalised. And yeah, he said after that, you know, I don't want to make defensive subs. That was out of character for me. He's like, mm. I want to make offensive subs that can go and affect the game. And that was the thing that he did really well against Wolves because when Wolves had all that ball, he could have easily thought, oh, shall I bring another midfielder on here to show things out of? Should we go defensive? Should we go five at the back? And actually brought click on to play as a number 10 and take the ball forward again, which was massively what, what helped against Wolves. And I think that's what we needed against Southampton, but it didn't happen. But that's where the big factor is the heat wave or the, just the extreme heat of the day, the hottest day in Premier League history because the substitutions he did make in the end were Click and Sinistera. So they were attacking substitutions even though we were down, we were back to 2-2 and then Forshaw came on to uh, a few minutes after that for his experience at the back. But just purely for um, the stamina of the players involved is fresh legs, Sinistera, tricky winger, fast, all the things you, you want him to be. And click, we saw he create that chance for Rodrigo and he will run forward with the ball. And they're probably the players that if you're a tired, um, knackered old cart horse in Southampton's back line, you think, oh God, I'm going to have Sinistera running at me instead of Dan James, who is just like crawling on the floor, puking and crying at the heat. Then, you know, that those substitutions made sense. The only thing that was really wrong with them was that they happened after they'd well, equalised. Yeah, that's thing. his initial change when Southampton changed things was to go five at the back or mm. three at the back, however you want to say it. So you think there, rather than think about how we're going to defend this, just go and keep the ball at the other end of the field. I guess, I guess that's why he's kept Harrison on instead of putting Yelder into the mix as our only sort of left-back option um, or putting him at centre-back and the, keeping the big pirate at left-back was to keep the attacking option. Jackie can get us up the pitch and counter-attack but then he just ends up picking on him for I mean that's that's the other reason for I would probably more nominate Marsh for picking on Jackie than the substitutions because I mean Newcastle are still trying to spend money mm. and of all the players to pick out it's like the one player that's actually got a saleable value um, He's not the one player with a saleable value that's very that's very harsh I would say We've The got... rest of them worth nothing they're worth less than Scum Squad Put them all in the skip okay. in the West End. Let's say but I would be very very surprised if we did a David Livermore with Brendan Aronson at yeah. this point, if he's had, you know, two good games and we're suddenly like, well, that bid from Newcastle was just too good to turn down. But uh, Harrison is the one player that there's kind of a bit of a risk factor. Unless there was those good stories about Scum increasing their budget for a De Gea replacement to seven million and looking at Ilan Melier. <laughs> those two things don't work. Looking at Ilan Melier as if it's 1995 and you can buy the best goalkeeper in the world for that sort of price. But uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, poor old Marsh. He does take he takes this one just as he took the Wolves one. So we've hammered him enough. Make some subs. Just make some good subs. We still drew. Yeah, exactly. It and we, we got to 2 nil up in the first place. Exactly. Who else was nominated then? Well, much more comfortable with this one. Uh, Southampton. Okay. Our opponents. Uh, Stephen, who wants a Boston accent. This is, we're going to end up with um, Stephen. Having to, if you want to hear your accent, leave us a voice memo. It's the easiest thing because instead we have to say, what's a Boston accent? A Saints backline, a rugby tackling Aronson all game. Is that Boston? Um, the Saints backline. Is that are you, are you going Lincolnshire there or, <laughs> or America? <laughs> anyway, so that so them and then uh, Scott's Oates, Southampton's constant fouling, and then also the fact that Hasenhurtle made a triple substitution when we should have been doing that. It's not fair. Mm. 
Trent, Melbourne White nails it again as well very succinctly, just saying Southampton for not lying down at 2-0 and insisting on a comeback, yep. which I agree, that was the main problem. It was a really hot day, why don't you just give up? Mm. And they tricked us by pretending to be broken and sad just before then, when it was Bednarek who went off with his head in his hands. Yeah, we, that was uh, seemed like the moment we'd got them. Yeah, that was the moment I thought, yeah, piece of piss this last 20 minutes. We really needed the players on the pitch to be doing that, their players. Another thing blamed for the comeback was the drinks break. Dave and Sazzy both complaining about that. I mean, I think it's probably advisable that they have drink breaks. But it's a drinks break, not a coaching break. That's the thing. People like uh, Dave M describes him as Ralph Haas and whatever, all there with the tactics boards and all that stuff. It's not a coaching opportunity. They should be allowed drinks, no chat. Okay. And they should have to drink a bottle of milk like they're at school. (laughs) And a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Good idea. A nap break. A really good idea. Just have five minutes on the pitch the crowd all has to quieten down Dan James looked like he needed it and I'll keep picking on Dan James in the heat but they did keep uh, there were these just shots of him looking absolutely suffering and then he was subbed off after coming on so I think he had a he had a tough old day maybe the drinks break helped him but maybe milk and the nap would have helped him more Shall we pick on a different Dan? Yes This is from Andy Alright lads this is Andy my villain of the week is Dan Moylan you can't have an holiday during football season look what you've done to Michael Normanton He's had to be positive, enthusiastic, and he's having to use his post telephone voice on the Phil Lay podcast and on the, the Matchball podcast. It's just not on me, is it? I mean, that was a criticism of me as well there, really. <laughs> <laughs> but fine, yeah, blame Dan. Nobody knew you could be so polite. I know, it's, the thing. it's terrible. I feel like it's been actual work again, trying to do Phil Hay and having to be professional. He is hard work, I hear He's dreadful, yeah. <laughs> normally, normally I can say what I want and Dan edits it out, but now I'm editing myself and it's... It's a bit tougher. I think the uh, having listened to you with, on the Phil Hay show, the Monday version, I think the only mistake you made was I think you edited too much of you out and not enough of Phil. I felt mm. like I would have liked to hear more Michael, less Phil. Okay, I'll I'll suggest it. Next it was time. a big opportunity for that <laughs> to really push him to one side, <laughs> just monologue for five minutes. Thank well, Thanks, Phil. All he had to say was, "Oh, we're not signing this player. We're not signing that player." I'd much rather have heard whatever you had to say about stuff. Fair enough. I'll, uh, I'll I'll put it forward as an option. Did you, uh, did you ask him if he was once a teenager? <laughs> I didn't get into yeah. that on the on, on that, the show. Not make the cut. Yeah. Although I, Dan did tell me that they probably don't listen to it before it goes out, so I could have snuck some stuff in. But I think mm. I like to think Phil might have pulled me up on it if I started saying, "What was your What was your body like as a teenager?" <laughs> Phil? So the, but the opportunity is still there for you to ask him about penises on yes. the uh, upcoming episode. Yeah, maybe do that. We could maybe we'll sneak an extra ball episode. Out of Phil, where we ask him about penises and his teenage body. Phil chats dick. <laughs> it could be a, a weekly show. Who knows? I don't know if he's got that much to say about it. Maybe well, I suppose he's got a lifetime's experience, as <laughs> do we all. <laughs> Who else has been nominated then? Uh, Rob Price. Um, mm. Injuries in general slash Bamford's body. Yes. Sarah has, uh, has lamented Bamford's body, actually. Of the week for me is poor Patrick Bamford's body. We love Patrick. He's terrific. He's been terrific for Leeds, will be terrific for Leeds. He's a terrific human being. You could say a fine young man, but his body has let him down. And so Patrick Bamford's body is nominated for Villain of the Week. Fair enough. Oh, terrific in there, wasn't it? Fine young man. <laughs> like listening to uh, Delboy falling in. And Jane the Cowgirl goes one step further on the Bamford front. Hey, this is Jane in Nashville. Not a cowgirl. Um, and my villain this week is God for making Patrick Bamford out of cotton candy. God. Mm. There you go. He's not having it. 
too controversial. I mean, Gandhi was villain of the issue last year, uh, towards the end of last season, so we could go God, I suppose. Injuries in general, isn't it? Um, Chuck Biscuit is specific, but it's Pat's rebellious abductor that, um, that should take it. And then uh, Rob Price nominates Rob Price, from what I could tell, or at least maybe somebody misunderstood the form and entered the name of the villain and said the wrong name. But Rob Price seems to have written in to say that there was way too much optimistic information because he did that update video mm. in the week leading Karma to directly destroy Paddy Bamford within half an hour. Get back to the limb farm, Rob, says Rob. He's never addressed those that claim, has he? No. <laughs> Hidden away from that, even though we called him out on it and didn't deny it either, did he? Which is quite telling. So there's him. Kyle Walker-Peters is nominated by Jake from Florida and Boney M for scoring from a stupidly tight angle and having a stupid name. Fair enough. Brentford, which... Uh, same complaint as well that they uh, um, they let scum off in the second half. Yeah, I think that's I think that is fair enough. The Southampton esque nine nil says Matt H might have killed Goldbridge off collateral <laughs> damage, but then uh, I suppose if there's a nuclear attack, then he, he'll probably be safe in Nottingham, though, won't he? I was going to say we never use Goldbridge, do we, for propaganda? Because he's not, not actually, a scum fan. He's not actually no. a scum fan. No, it's, it's cosplaying. Yeah, which is it's weird. I want to see. I know a lot of the stuff is performative and over the top and. Uh, oh, you think? But at least they are scum fans as far as I know. Whereas he, like I say, seems to be a Forest fan who's started doing this as a bit of a joke and then it's profitable because he gets like a million views of all of his YouTube videos. Did we ever get those adverts with TalkSport? Yeah. Okay, are they still going? I don't know. Dan might Dan might be doing them. Well then, just in case he's a fine addition to that lineup. <laughs> oh, is he on there now? I think he got signed up for them, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. <sighs> was it him or was it? It was Goldbridge, wasn't it? I'm going to yeah, say yes. Yeah, because he did a, a big uh, unveiling talks- video. TalkSport would never sign anyone who is reactionary and annoying. I can guarantee it. <laughs> Meanwhile, back to the villain nomination for The Sun. The newspaper? No. Don't buy it, kids. Don't ever That's buy true. it. That's uh, true. The one that gives us um, heat, but also life. But uh, yeah, no mercy crease. The Sun. It made that last 20 minutes really hard. If only we could have changed a few of the more tired players and gets well, we've done that bit. But uh, yeah, Goldie also climate change and then Pete from Melbourne, The Heat and Sean the sun mm-hmm. quite succinct just we are the big burning globe in the sky tell why him it, it, why does it have a shone on Southampton quite often I'm going to say it's not a seaside town it's, there's a lot of it in Brighton but Southampton's just oh, it doesn't docks have a, does it have a beach no it doesn't it's docks someone will correct Cement us and say works. it doesn't have a beach but let's say not <laughs> if it does it's not a good one <laughs> <laughs> okay okay only one nomination for the referee which is poor normally referee stroke VAR has got a, a good 10 bullet points underneath it hmm Rory, the only person. More dreadful than usual. I I didn't barely noticed him. It was a bit of Southampton players being annoying, wasn't there? Kind of going down easily, rolling around a bit. I think there's a few. I mean, there was that bit where uh, Pascal Strauch sort of karate kicks one in the head with his thigh and he, he let us off with that. So mm-hmm. probably fine, but a little bit annoying. Who was the ref? I can't even remember now. Some guy. Yeah. yeah. With a whistle. Some bloke. <laughs> yeah. Is that it then? Or are there any others? Oh, there's a couple of... Um... Rasmus Christensen, given his uh, low rating on the player rater and um, the criticism he got in propaganda, has got away with. There was only yes, one yeah. uh, villain nomination. I was quite surprised. Jelly said uh, maybe, uh, but even Jelly puts the blame on us, spending too much time touting him as a cult figure, the fans in general, and which has, have spent more time coaching him how to defend. So I think there's maybe that's the the willingness to give him more than two games before starting throwing any villain nominations around. Uh, Rodrigo gets one for making Sean look a mug and Melier 
for getting megged for their first goal, but... He didn't get megged, did he? He sort of got... The player went round him. I think the problem was uh, Melia came out, but he had to find a way of stopping him without fouling him. Mm. And he didn't manage to do it. Because it was actually... On the uh, the boring Southampton fans, you can't really hear it again, which is another reason why I didn't include it. But the the guy who knows football, when he's in with that chance, is going, Oh no, what are you doing? Hey! So um, it was probably good skill and calmness in that situation. Hurslem. Are we giving it to Jesse then? He's, got, he's definitely got the most nominations. He's got the weight of nominations. Oh, we could give it to Dan. I mean, the heat has arguably made us suffer all week. And did it, you know, did it scramble his mind? Could he not think clearly? I know he gave it all like, oh, I'm, I'm the god of MLS sunshine. Um, <laughs> I, I demanded all, all our games be moved to the Mojave Desert um, at noon all the time. He should have worn a big old jumper just to prove a point <laughs> on the weekend. The uh, you know, Like old people do sometimes in the, in the when it's hot and you see him walking around town in a jacket. <laughs> or indeed, Moscow White, who turned up on Saturday in an anorak and black jeans and boots. It's a nice coat. There was just no call for it. I didn't want to burn my arms. <laughs> but they must have been internally burning. It was internally burning. My blood wasn't boiling. Well, I think that would have been a possibility if I'd have been wearing a coat. I was perfectly comfortable. Anyway, so it's not hot. Get get Moscow on the bench, is what I'm saying. Because yeah. he can come on and not feel the heat. You can't run around either, probably, but at least you won't get hot. I could have helped him. I just said, Jesse, substitutions. And he would have, ah, yeah. Knew there was something. I guess, yeah, let's give it him, but it's because it's it's the substitutions. We're happy with a lot else, mm. but this is Leeds, and dickheads like us will be on you for uh, for throwing away. I mean, a two-goal lead, well, it is a long time since we've done a two-goal lead. There was old, uh, there was Cardiff on the realm when Pascal Stroik came on and ruined it. Mm. Um, I mean, this did happen last season as well. It is worth saying that it was... Start of last season, wasn't it, when we were went to Newcastle and we were cruising and mm-hmm. it was only a goal up, should have been two or maybe even three, then we managed to throw that one away. So this does happen. This, yeah, isn't, this isn't a Jesse Marsh problem. This no. happens all the time in games. And when it does happen, we do tend to slag off whoever's done it. So you wouldn't have slagged off Bielsa, would you? We did. <laughs> <laughs> we did. You can go back and find the times that, the, yeah, that we did criticise these things. On to Hero of the Week then, and top of the list on nominations is Rodrigo. Getting absolutely loads. We've had a voice message from... Jesse Marsh stays hydrated, which I know is something you enjoyed watching on the weekend, Moscow. Hero of the match, I'm going to definitely go with Rodrigo. Uh, I feel kind of bad for him because if you look on social media, he gets a lot of flack even in a match where he scores uh, two goals, uh, and and one of which being within a minute of of the second half starting. Uh, I feel like he's a player who is kind of so known for such a stretch of poor form that when he does well, people are still kind of hyper fixated on the ways that he doesn't do well. Uh, so that I feel bad for because, you know, there's no better metric for an offensive player than whether or not they're putting the ball in the opponent's net. I'm going to start using that as a defense. Stop being hyper fixated on the things that I'm doing wrong. <laughs> even, even if I've made some monumental error at home, I just go, are, we, are you going to fixate on that here? All right, fine. What about all the good things? What about all the stuff I haven't broken yet? Quite enjoy what I am. Melbourne White sent in that is probably the perfect illustration of what uh, JM Stays Hydrated was saying. Rodrigo is his hero nomination, though I can't believe I'm saying it and not really sure he deserves it. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at with him still. Brendan Aronson uh, kind of follows that up as well. Rodrigo for doing nice goals. Still plays like he's playing football with his kids though. 
I think he stole a goal from Pascal as well. Mm. Big pirate wants a goal. Mm. I think the 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 way we're kind of unsure about him still is captured quite nicely in in Sven's little message that he sent in as well. Hi, this is Sven from Norway. I always rated Rodrigo Moreno. Yeah, on and on. <laughs> mm, yeah, I always like I always liked him. The sincerity, the sincerity really coming through. Um, and even Lucy. And you can't really argue with his performances and in particular his goals, including the celebrations, which is, I think it's a big point in his favour. His celebrations are cute. Mm. Um, even if he did get leggy towards the end of the game and he should have been subbed off. <laughs> and uh, Chris D points out that he's, uh, he's the perfect player for a five-sub era, i.e. he can give us a great 45. So Damning um, with damning with praise. <laughs> yeah. Well, he said, Chris says uh, he just needs a bit of love, but a maximum of 45. <laughs> and no more I don't know I think it's just because we've been watching him for two years waiting for him to get good and now he is getting good nobody can believe it it's like it's just is it good we've been we've been fooled before I think that's the thing we've, we have been here before at the end of the first season in particular everyone's like oh he's, he's looking really sharp next season will be his and then the next season started and it wasn't and it was probably worse than the first one but hope, this one is going well I hope it stays that way as well because I have warmed to him after uh, we discussed his cheap T-shirt and his mm. uh, Space Jam backpack that he turned up. So when I was looking at what all the players turned up for pre-season wearing and they're all like, you know, £400 T-shirts and stuff. And then his, I think his T-shirt was worth 30 quid and his Space Jam backpacks was 40. And Paddy Gunn, who uh, doesn't want you to call him Patrick, oh. um, pointed out on Twitter, you know, when they all come off the bus before a game, he was the only one who's earphones had a cable <laughs> so he's not even got bluetooth headphones he's just got it could be just the stock ones that came with his phone that probably he might have got like five years ago and just hasn't so there's something nice about that and the sort of the genuine joy when he stole that guy that goal from pascal stroik boniem points out that he's, a, he's actually nominating him as a hero for not giving a shit about that there is some kind of sincere joy and like a lack of um like grasping commercialism that you would associate mm. with perhaps a Ronaldo. Yeah, he's not he's not bothered about anyone being impressed with him in the celebration, is he? He's just, no. he's just having fun. And he, on the first goal as well, he was really torn because he, he goes backwards and forwards. His first thought is, I'll go over the away fans, but he's like, well, that was a really good cross. And he's like, but the away fans, you know, I have a bit, you know, he probably thinks I have a bit of an awkward time with them. I should celebrate with the fans, but... Jackie with that ball and he's in the end he's like oh I've got to go over and thank Jackie for this I think, he I made it possible I don't think he does have an awkward time with fans in the stadium weirdly enough he's one of the, he seems to be one of these purely online things with Rodrigo that people seem frustrated with him but I don't think anyone ever has, has sort of hated him as a person and it's never and he's had some good moments of celebrating with fans as well like the Wolves goal at the end of last season and stuff and I think there's enough that people have I've always kind of taken to him even if they don't want him in the team there's always that element though in the modern Football and Leeds, it's probably all right for one of the clubs that takes the longest for any of it to translate to the team. So the dog's abuse that Tyler Roberts would get on Twitter was never there when he's going around the pitch applauding all four stands. And it was only a very long time into the season that there was sort of murmurs when he was coming on as a sub. And that happened with the team in general, because if you remember, you know, we were losing against Manchester City and cheering them. And uh, it was um, Brighton, wasn't it, last season when things finally sort of spilled over and that was it with Rodrigo when he gave the ball away mm. pathetically like three times and then there were, it was an ironic cheer wasn't it that he got when he completed a pass but again that's kind of the worst he's had it in the ground 
Mm. But he'll be ironically cheated. He'll, he'll no doubt be aware of it. It's, you know, people, people tell them things and don't just leave it for uh, where we prefer it to be because um, don't necessarily think Rodrigo needs to hear. Unless I'm happy for him to hear what I think about his lovely backpack. Mm. I've done some maths on Rodrigo and do you know how many goals he's going to score this season? How many? 57. Oh, because it's three and two. That's what he's going to do, yeah. He's going to keep that up. Pa- how many is he going to steal from Pascal Stroik? No more than a um, third of that. <laughs> so if Pascal Stroik scored a third of that, that would be 18. Yeah. And he'd like be that. one of the Premier League's top scorers. Correct. So I think maybe let Pascal have those goals because I think a world where the Premier League's top scorer with 37 is Rodrigo and he's closely followed by... Pascal Stroik with about mm. 18. Mm-hmm. That's a Premier League I like. Okay, we'll go along with that. I'd probably accept 15 goals from Rodrigo this season. I thought we were going to say Stroik. <laughs> goal scoring centre-half. I'd like two from him. He is actually, because he's it was a good header from him at the end of the season against Brighton. Mm. And that was um, a good header from him on Saturday as well. That It was going in, wasn't it? So he's becoming more of a threat at corners. Jackie Harrison gets a few nominations, looks lively. So far this season, says Adwit. Philip Pete from Melbourne, No Mercy Crease, all, all saying similar things. It never stops working and our main creative threat. He's another one who doesn't get a huge amount of credit, I don't feel like, Jackie. There's always that thing of like, well, we could sell him. Kind of like to see Sinistera, but then he's just there getting assists every game, so he's good. Leave him in. He got think... credit on our blog this week, didn't he? He did, so yes. At least I'm giving him credit, which... Everyone definitely read, but uh, that's because you're a fine young man. As is Jackie, I'd have nominated him just for taking his top off, to be honest, because he looked amazing. But um, would you put yourself in the same fine young man bracket as Jackie? He's saying you're, oh, no. you're equal. No, no, he's far finer. Oh, okay. We all know that. But, um, I mean, I don't know. Rob never, never really <laughs> write anything. <laughs> Take your shirt off. It's Tim Brown off on the news list. But no, he's good. I like him. He's creating lots of chances, as many as Kevin De Bruyne after two games or something. Mm. He's created 11 chances after two matches. And the gift that you made for that blog post of him, that one touch ball through in the first half um, that I've forgotten about. Was sort of back to Rodrigo. Yeah, that's a beautiful touch. He does a lot of that. He's the player that whenever Leeds don't know what to do with it, they just give it to Jack Harrison and he'll often be in lots of tight space and have four players around him. And it's not the sexiest, most glamorous thing, but he just keeps the ball and that's quite difficult sometimes. Anyone else then? Uh, Melier. His save at the end. Good save, but I would have expected him to make it. Johnny B also nominates him for not bursting the defence after missing out on a clean sheet. So maybe he did that behind closed doors. So we, we, can't, we can't say for certainty that that was heroic. Uh, Brendan Aronson, just I think people like him. And the Leeds Away fans, we heard a little bit of them on the Southampton propaganda drowning out the vloggers. It's basically saying Trent um, and Garforth Matt. Um, Garforth Matt was sat in the home end, so necessarily subdued, but it was like Leeds was a home team. Amazing support, as usual. Some nominations are for the Man United thing, we'll call it. <laughs> Is that so, what we call them now? Well, there's a, I, there are a few people. There's sort of Ten Hag, there's De Gea's in there. In fact, Billy, Billy B. I guess he's not the Billy B from B Sotted, because he's called, he calls himself <laughs> Billy B, doesn't he? But he's not this, uh, this Billy B is nominated David De Gea. Hero, while I'm currently... 15 minutes into the late kickoff. So it's going to be David De Gea. Put a smile straight back on my face. What a guy. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I did title this bit of clutch of nominations as Eric Ten Hag, etc. Because I think Methley Chris's was the first one I'd seen 
uh, described him as David Hockaday for the hipster generation. <laughs> Glorious. Yeah, gap year Hockaday. He does have a <laughs> an element of, I mean, so even Marsh, he's been nominated as a villain for kind of dithering his way through the second half and not making a decision. I've not seen Ten Hag do anything. Mm. Every time I see a shot of him, he's just either sitting or standing on the touchline just watching. And there doesn't seem to be a thought behind those eyes or an idea in his head. And it's very similar to, um, I, I've i now worked myself around to praising myself for a, a graphic I once made. of. Um, it was a very good graphic. I don't know what you're You know the about. one, Dave Hockaday against uh, Bradford. He's whispering with his uh, kind yes. of half covering his hand over his mouth to Matthew Smith. Matthew Smith. And I cleverly put a caption over it as if he was saying, Psst, Mike. I've got no idea what I'm doing. Um, and I'm getting that vibe from Eric Ten Hag. It'll just be, you know, he has to uh, telling Eric Christensen, I, I don't know what Eric, to Eric do. Christensen. Exactly. That's the <laughs> oh, joke. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yes. No, that is the joke. The way right. he would call Matt Mike, yes. he will call Christian sorry. Eriksen, Eric Christensen. I, I don't know where to play. Where do you, where do you, where do you normally play? Not, where, where, not did there, you last, please. where did your last manager play you? Bless him. Lads, so I'm struggling a little bit. So can somebody tell me what Ollie used to do? No. We're all enjoying it, aren't we? I think that's fair to say. He's bringing a bit of joy. And I think the, the nice thing with Ten Hag was that it seemed like a really good appointment on paper. I was genuinely worried at one point. Like, oh, he might, he's, he does seem to have been a good manager. His Ajax side played really good football. There were some clips of scum looking good in pre-season. And then it's brilliant that they've turned up for the actual thing and just completely stunk the place out instantly. And they still can't really sign anyone. So they're like looking around people who were good five years ago, trying to sign them. So long may it continue. Just um, read that tweet to me again. Can you remember it from before? About I, I think I could, I think I've got it committed to memory that Ronaldo is eating yeah. lunch alone. Yes, and Manchester United are trying to sign Jamie Vardy, Jamie Vardy. <laughs> and they all had to go in on Sunday and run, mm. which was funny as well. Oh, yes. that was brilliant. Yeah, the um, what was the distance? It was about thirteen kilometers, wasn't it? Because Brentford had outrun them by that much, so they all had to come in on Sunday. And imagine Ronaldo's face when you told him that. Mm. I'm, I'm amazed he did it. Well, even the stories had to make a point of like, even Ronaldo, you believe it or not, he joined in. Oh, God. Long may that continue. Um, Brentford have got some nominations for their part of it. Sarah kicks this off. Hero of the week, going off field here. A 2-2 draw is great. We're not at the stage of the season yet where one point is brilliant, should have been three. Therefore, I'm nominating Brentford because it's given me two days of unbridled joy seeing Manchester United at the bottom of the Premier League. Really enjoying that. Unbridled. Bridles off. I can't remember them ever being bottom, I have to say. My whole my whole life. I don't think I can remember. The year we won the league. I was not around for that. I don't know if they even finished absolute rock bottom, um, but they certainly they got relegated, which was great, and it's going to happen again. Imagine if it did. Just imagine the. Just, I don't know if they'd even survive it. How do you put? Uh, how do you put a club of that size into even with parachute payments? I mean, the Glazers. This is their plan, apparently, according to um, Man- mm, Anarchy. Man Candy. This is the Anarchy they want. want. They definitely don't want to miss out on the old Premier League money. So let's hope they do. They were not rock bottom in 1974 when we won the league. Norwich uh, were below them because, I mean, Norwich, green and gold, just a, they just did that to be nice, didn't they? Oh, no, we'll go last. <laughs> Sorry, we can't have Manchester United last. Norwich will do it. Um, yeah. Another Send no- them down. 
Another nomination for Jesse Marsh's water bottle, if we're going to go really <laughs> off-piste on this. I think the way Jesse Marsh handled it was the problem. He was he was sucking at it greedily, and it was disturbing to watch. It was a little bit like watching a, a baby calf um, <laughs> with the teats. I'm sorry if Jane is still listening. Um, the non-cowgirl getting uh, flashbacks to whatever cow crime gave her the fear. But no, uh, heroic, I guess in Gordy's view because it did at least rehydrate him mm. so and drinking water is important okay well it is especially it is, with, no, it with the weather we're having it's if, when yeah stay hydrated who's having it then stay in school should we give it to Rodrigo I noticed you've, yeah. you've glossed over Sean's nomination for yourself too much for that <laughs> handling the hosting duties like a champ <laughs> despite <laughs> working with some horribly unprofessional people and it, we should probably get that in from Sean because it is um, the last time we'll ever have an opportunity to nominate you for such a thing. It is true. Yeah, Dan's back. Oh, and he bother. can never go away again. No, it's best he doesn't. <laughs> it's been fine though, I think, hasn't it? Probably, in the main. I should have clarified, actually, on my hosting duty around the Brentford stuff, we were recording oh, during course. that game and I said, oh, it's hard to know who you want to win in that. Obviously, Scum losing 4-0 was brilliant and hilarious, but I'm still in that unsure phase of the season where I kind of want there to be worse teams. So, just as I wanted Liverpool to beat Palace yesterday, even though Liverpool losing to Palace would have been funny. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm mm. not. I'm not yet confident of our own safety. Yeah, there's a long time to start worrying about that. Yeah, I suppose You've got there to is. embrace these summer months. But there's also there's the Brentford factor as well because of all the teams that you want to be enjoying it because and they did it as well. Thomas Frank touring the pitch, all the Hey Jude stuff, and all that. Like, oh, aren't Brentford good? No, like don't want to hear any of that so of all the teams to do that to scum and as well they didn't finish the job off they had, they had them in the palm of their hands at half time and they took their foot off the neck so I don't know what's in their hands if their foot's on the neck I don't want to take us back to I mean this is the one thing that has characterised your premiership of the, <laughs> the podcast is that everything seems to have gone back to cocks and balls at some point okay. um, but if the you introduced, the you introduced the, the penis Formation. Neil Warnock introduced that the penis formation. But um, no, it was understandable that it's a little bit of a quandary that you're in a world. I want bad things to happen to Manchester United, but I don't want good things to happen to Brentford. Weirdly, Brentford winning 1 0, I'd have felt unsure about. Mm. Brentford winning 4 0 mm. is very funny. So it's okay. That's definitely okay. Yeah, we're not going to listen to be sorted to see what they're saying about it, though. God, no. no. God, no. Too much smugness by far on that one. Right, that's it then. Rodrigo, we're giving it to him. Oh, okay. I've made the decision. Rodrigo's having it. He might he might not get another chance. We need to be nicer yeah. to him. He can put the award in his backpack. Exactly. Yeah. And he, he, imagine him celebrating it as well. He might be mm. listening to us now on his little old uh, headphones that he got from the Argos catalogue in 1992. Some Alba headphones. One of them not quite working. Footballers all get them free, don't they? The, the Beats send them all out to him, don't they? So they can, look, uh, they can look cool. Maybe they've decided Rodrigo's too much of a geek. Imagine you're on the... Uh, the team coach saying, "Oh, I've got one of those adapters, so you can uh, we can both listen to the same Walkman. <laughs> you just have to plug yours in and all that. big box of tapes. Oh, we didn't do the tape stuff today, did we? When we were playing the clips, Dan was in charge of that last week. Well, yeah, because playing them off of uh, mini disc this week. Yes, of course, because we had, we, we were able to use a, a more accessible, quieter format. This <laughs> is why nobody could hear the uh, the whir of the mini discs as they went in. Right." Saved you there, didn't I? (laughs) Speak to you next week. The Square Ball Podcast.